In today's brief, we'll talk about more explosions in Crimea, the failure of the grain deal, and Igor Girkin's big mouth. I'm Yulia, and today is Friday, July 21st, 2023. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news in Ukraine from the front. Russia is continuing to suffer enormous losses in Ukraine, with military casualties now exceeding 240,000. On July 19th alone, roughly 530 Russian personnel were killed, and 33 drones, 19 artillery systems, and 6 tanks were destroyed. On July 20th, about 680 Russian troops were killed, 4 tanks, 15 combat vehicles, 18 artillery systems, 7 airborne weapons, 15 operational tactical unmanned aerial vehicles, UAVs, a flying drone, 5 winged missiles, 11 vehicles, and a unit of special equipment. An anonymous Ukrainian official told the Washington Post that the armed forces of Ukraine have started using cluster munitions, quote, against Russian forces in southeastern Ukraine in a push to break up well-fortified Russian positions that have slowed Ukraine's summer offensive, end quote. Video surfaced on social media of cluster munitions being used in Krasnohorivka in the Marinka operational area. In an interview with BBC Ukrainian Service, Commander of the Ground Forces of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, Colonel General Alexander Sirsky, reported that Russian forces in Bakhmut have been semi-encircled and conditions are set to retake the city, but, quote, with ten times smaller losses, end quote, than Russia experienced in capturing Bakhmut. According to Sirsky, Bakhmut is of strategic importance because it's a road hub connecting the Baltseva, Siversk, Horlivka, Konstantinivka, and Slovensk. Geolocated footage backs up Sirsky's claims, and Ukraine now controls Orihovo-Vasilivka after a grinding battle. High concentrations of Russian troops in the Bakhmut operational area are preventing further progress, and there are multiple reports that Ukraine is running low on ammunition, especially artillery shells and any breakthroughs are commendable. France 24 reported that Ukrainian soldiers are using Soviet-era howitzers dating back to the 1970s. One soldier said their hit rate is 80% after three tries. Russian defensive fortifications are still providing significant challenges for Ukraine and have managed to prevent a major breakthrough so far. Moving on to the home front, Russian forces attacked Odessa on the night of the 20th, causing a fire to break out and injuring two people. One of the people injured was rescued from under the rubble while working at the site of a building that has collapsed, according to the Odessa Oblast Military Administration. Eighteen were injured in an attack on Mykolaiv overnight on July 19th, 20th. Nine of them, including five children, required hospitalization. The Ukrainian Air Force reported on Facebook that in all, Russia launched seven Onyx cruise missiles from Crimea, four KH-22 air-based cruise missiles from eight Tu-22M3 aircraft over the Black Sea, three-caliber sea-based cruise missiles, presumably from a submarine in the Black Sea, five Iskander-K land-based cruise missiles from Crimea, 
and 19 Shahed-136-131 drones from Crimea and Kursk, Russia, overnight. Ukrainian air defenses intercepted 13 drones and 5 of the 19 cruise missiles. Some assessment here. The use of Onyx missiles on the night of July 19th-20th is fairly novel, although not unheard of in this war. The Onyx was designed as an anti-ship surface-to-surface missile, SSM, and has been pressed into service by Russia due to its dwindling stockpile to target civilian infrastructure. This is similar to what they have done with the S-300, which was designed as a surface-to-air missile, SAM or SAM. The Onyx have a range of about 600 to 800 kilometers and can travel at speeds of up to 4,000 kilometers an hour. Their high speed and very low altitude just above the water make it very difficult for Ukrainian defenses to intercept them. The Security Service of Ukraine, SBU, detained an employee of the state railway operator Ukrazalizniza in Dnipro who was gathering information on security and military objects and passing it to a Russian handler, assisting Russia to plan airstrikes against Dnipropetrovsk Oblast. Ihor Klimenko, the Minister of Internal Affairs of Ukraine, reported that 31 people in the Ukrainian-controlled territories died as a result of the destruction of the Kohovka hydroelectric power plant and dam. Russian occupation authorities have not provided any information about deaths in the occupied territories. In his nightly speech, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky announced that he had proposed Minister of Culture and Information Policy be dismissed and replaced with someone else, saying that in times of war, quote, museums, culture centers, symbols, TV series, all of this is important, but there are other priorities right now, end quote. Next up, the temporarily occupied territories. Russia is continuing to place sea mines in the vicinity of Ukrainian ports, further driving up uncertainty about Ukrainian exports in the Black Sea. A few days ago, Russia issued a statement that they would assume any vessel traveling through the Black Sea to Ukrainian ports is carrying military cargo, and would therefore consider it a legitimate military target. Ukraine has responded by announcing that all Russian ships or ships heading towards Russian ports, quote, may be considered by Ukraine as those carrying military cargo with all associated risks, end quote. It's not an idle threat, given Ukraine's ability to harass and threaten ships with drones. United States National Security spokesman Adam Hodge reported that Russia has threatened civilian vessels as well, saying, quote, We believe that this is a coordinated effort to justify any attacks on civilian vessels in the Black Sea and to blame Ukraine for those attacks. End quote. Ukrainian forces are continuing to decimate logistics and troop concentrations behind enemy lines. Residents of Melitopol reported hearing at least five explosions somewhere on the city's outskirts, and exiled and legitimate mayor of Melitopol Ivan Fedorov confirmed that Ukrainians struck Russian military bases. Explosions were also reported in Mikhailivka, west of Tokmak in Zaporizhia Oblast, and the Russian base in Skadovsk. The targets were primarily troop concentrations and believed to have been struck by U.S.-provided HIMARS. Ukrainian forces also struck an ammunition depot near Yasunovata, Donetsk Oblast, and a military site on the outskirts of the city of Donetsk, 
as well as a massive Russian base and ammunition depot in Crimea. No, really, the base was bigger than some of the nearby villages, and the explosion could be heard more than 30 kilometers away. Ongoing secondary explosions made it impossible for the fire to be put out, so local authorities closed the highway and evacuated the neighboring villages. Unfortunately for Russian logistics, the base was located on one of the primary supply routes on the peninsula. Satellite images showed there were still random secondary explosions at the military training site in the Kirovske district. If you're enjoying the episode, please rate us and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out to us via email at social at borlingen.media. That's B-O-R-L-I-N-G-O-N dot media. Speaking of explosive encounters, let's talk about the Russian Federation and also Belarus. Former FSB officer, former head of the so-called Donetsk People's Republic, DPR, People's Militia, and current convicted war criminal Igor Strelkov-Girkin was taken from his home around noon and, quote, authorities are searching his home. What if it's the FSB? Please, let it be the FSB. Two law enforcement officials confirmed Girkin's arrest, as did his lawyer and wife. Strelkov's wife, Miroslava Reginskaya, said on Telegram she learned from friends that her husband was charged with extremism and that, quote, at the time of the arrest, she was not home, end quote. Girkin is charged with incitement to hatred or enmity, as well as humiliation of human dignity, which carries a maximum prison sentence of six years. On Tuesday, Girkin wrote on Telegram, quote, the country will not survive another six years of this cowardly mediocrity in power, end quote, referring to Putin. According to the Ukrainian National Resistance Center, there was a clash between private military company, PMC, Wagner mercenaries, and Belarusian border guards in Belarus, and the border guards have retreated. Russian media reported that an airfield in Ryazan Oblast was attacked by a drone, likely referring to Dyagilevo Airport, which was previously attacked in December 2022. The UK Ministry of Defense intelligence update for July 20th said Russia likely decided to back out of the Black Sea Grain Initiative, quote, some time ago, end quote. Russia's strikes against Ukrainian port and grain infrastructure and threats of maritime escalations are likely a part of a Kremlin effort to leverage Russia's exit of the Black Sea Grain Initiative and exact extensive concessions from the West. Russia has several goals. First, intensify divisions between Ukraine and Central Europe. Second, allow shipping of stolen grain to generate export income for Russia. And third, generate a sense of urgency for leverage in lifting debilitating sanctions. Russian news outlet Vajne Istori reported July 19th that about 400 PMC Wagner convict fighters are waiting in hotels in Anapa, Krasnodar Krai, for their pardons. Wagner wants them released by July 29th. The convicts will have the option to extend their contracts with the PMC to serve in Belarus or Africa. Let's talk European news. 
the European Union extended the sanctions against Russia by another six months, including all restrictive measures that were previously in place, targeting specific sectors of the Russian economy, such as trade, finance, technology, industry, transport, and luxury goods. Additional measures were introduced to address sanction circumvention and individual restrictions like freezing assets and restricting travel for a range of individuals and entities. The primary goal of this 11th package of sanctions is to counter sanctions evasion tactics that are already in place. EU foreign affairs ministers have proposed creating a financing mechanism to help meet Ukraine's long-term defense needs. According to High Representative of the European Union for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy Joseph Borrell, as part of the European Peace Facility, it would allocate up to 5 billion euros a year over the next four years. That's a total of 20 billion euros towards Ukraine's defense needs. A Lithuanian organization, Maji Bet Stiprus, which means small but strong, initiated a new crowdfunding campaign called Songs of Drones to collect 300,000 euros to purchase 500 FBV kamikaze drones. The campaign will run until Ukrainian Independence Day on August 24th. Thank you, Lithuania. You always have our back. In news worldwide, Russia's strategy of blowing up Ukrainian ports to drive up the global price of grain seems pretty desperate. Driving up food prices around the world disproportionately hurts Russia's few remaining supporters on the world stage, like China, Syria, Nicaragua, South Africa, Eritrea, Iran, Cuba, and Venezuela. The strike on Odessa damaged the Chinese consulate there, likely infuriating the Chinese even more. Chinese President Xi Jinping is struggling with a flagging economy, a rapidly approaching demographic cliff, and a Cold War-like posture from the United States. After Western-made parts were discovered in Shahed drones shot down over Mykolaiv and in other areas of Ukraine, the United States is preparing sanctions on Kyrgyzstan, according to the Washington Post. A Kyrgyz official said the Central Asian country hadn't received any warning from the United States and that, quote, we can't expect to police every entrepreneur, end quote, which is a weird claim for a totalitarian state to make. Hopefully, their notice won't be lost in the mail. CIA director Bill Burns spoke at the Aspen Security Forum and gave quite the update on the U.S. government's view of Putin's position after Prigozhin's brief experiment with insurrection. In the most detailed public account yet given by a U.S. official, the director of the CIA offered a biting assessment on Thursday of the damage done to President Vladimir Putin of Russia by the mutiny of the Wagner mercenary group, saying the rebellion had revived questions about his judgment and detachment from the events. Speaking at the Aspen Security Forum, an annual national security conference, William J. Burns, the CIA director, said that for much of the 36 hours of the rebellion last month, Russian security services, the military, and decision-makers, quote, appeared to be adrift. For a lot of Russians watching, used to this image of Putin as the arbiter of order, the question was, does the emperor have no clothes? Or at least, why is this taking so long for him to get dressed? End quote. Burns said that while Prigozhin was making up some of the steps in the rebellion, quote, as he went along, 
His critique of the Russian military leadership, which he made in a series of increasingly pungacious video statements over the course of a few months, was ripe for exploiting. The Telegram channel, where Prigozhin posted a video challenging Russia's main argument for invading Ukraine, was watched by the equivalent of a third of the Russian population. According to Burns, quote, that video was the most scathing indictment of Putin's rationale for war, of the conduct of the war, of the corruption at the core of Putin's regime that I have heard from a Russian or a non-Russian, end quote. Asked about General Suravikin, Burns said, quote, I don't think he enjoys a lot of freedom right now, end quote. Yeah, I think that's one way of saying that. Finally, let's talk military tech. Earlier this year, Russia began using some kind of jerry-rigged glide bombs in its attacks on Ukraine, and there was very little information available about what was dubbed the Russian JDAM. Well, now we have some more information for you. While it has nowhere near the capabilities of the JDAM, Honestly, the similarity appears to be just that the kit includes wings and a guidance system, and all available intelligence points to a number of glaring weaknesses. It's a separate flying module to which the bomb is attached, and internal Russian sources suggest poor performance and a high failure rate. Do you remember all the stories about Russia accidentally bombing its own cities and villages? Also, the weight of the FAB 500M62 bomb actually exceeds the load capacity of the most common Russian weapons pylons. Another major disadvantage is that the bomb's fuse is activated immediately upon release, meaning that in the event of a failure of the glide package, the bomb will fall like a regular old bomb and explode wherever it happens to be at the time, like a residential street in the Russian city of Belgorod. That's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. And please, consider supporting our work on Patreon. You'll find the links in the description. We will be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. Bobachemos!